0: What is going on, my sprudes and spruettes? Welcome back to another episode of... Trapped on your blasted. My name is Scott and my co-host here is... Also Scott. Oh, okay. We're both Scott today? (laughs) So you're not going to understand any of my references? (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to have any references (laughs) if we're both Scott. (laughs) Actually, John. Actually, John. Actually. Um, Welcome back to the podcast for the miniature hobby enthusiasts, not just miniature painter, miniature hobby enthusiasts. Yeah. We cracked that egg open last episode. Right. Right. We like other things like gaming and what's the word converting. <laughs> I forgot what it's called for a moment. <laughs> There's like three things. You forgot one of the three. <laughs> um, But yeah, man, I, I just, it's so natural for me to want to just describe the layout of the <laughs> podcast episode. but I need to like, Right. Stop doing that. We'll, we'll know when we get there that we're going to change topics because
1: you do a wonderful job of just saying, now we're going to talk about... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, should I or should I, should I just flow? Yeah. And just be like, and now into the news. Like pretend like you're Anchor Woman.
0: Okay. I can do that. I'm just not as pretty, but well, we'll work on that. Right. we can... One time, okay, this is a story that's going to kind of make me look stupid. My wife has this cover up and I'm not sure what it's for. It's not like traditional makeup, but she was like, you should try to wear this uh, for a video because I have a, that's not a skin disease, but a, a problem where I have bursting blood vessels under my skin and it makes my skin look blotchy. And I mean, you might not know this, but like, like bigger channels, like Retin and Link and even like, like co-anchors that are male, they wear stage makeup. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll try it. I put it on, it made, made my skin burn. Oh, and no. I was like, S-! I was like, a zombie. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's made it. with holy water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. Um, but yeah, since so, so I said that once and had not done it again because uh, that was an unpleasant experience. <laughs> do you think it was
1: just that
0: one brand that's like
1: made from sea turtle shells or something?
0: <laughs> Maybe. Um, I mean, enough people do it in the world that I would imagine someone has found a solution that doesn't make their skin burn.
1: Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of research out there. You can. <laughs> get it down
0: yeah probably uh before we talk about what we've painted uh i have an announcement um that doesn't really impact john a whole lot oh, a little bit um i made a vampire miniature and it took a long time to do it it took about a year to kind of go through the whole process it's a 75 millimeter display miniature um and it's the kind of design and aesthetic that i want out of a vampire Um, And if you're interested in checking it out and seeing if it's worth purchasing, you can find it linked in the show notes and also in the description if you're watching this on YouTube. But also, there's a digital course for the vampire that can be purchased along with it to learn how to paint the vampire like I did for the box art. So you can kind of see all the thoughts and considerations I have during the process and you can... Uh, you know, get as close to it uh, as I did, uh, hopefully, or at least feel like you can do it with some practice. Um, but also a third shilling thing, me and John are teaching a physical class in the Twin Cities, painting this model. There are 20 seats. Um, obviously you get the model, you get the video course, you get a PDF handout that is laminated so you can get paint on it and it doesn't matter. And obviously you get a seat in the class, two days long, eight hours each day. And... I don't know when this episode's coming out, but I hope there are still seats left when it is. I, I assume there will be.
1: Yeah, well, Or it'll be so incredibly popular
0: that they'll be all
1: sold out and then we'll be scheduling another one.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, we'd love to iron out the details of teaching a, a class. Um, a long time ago, we put out a survey um, to collect a bunch of information uh, for the purposes of kind of learning all the, uh, the ins and outs of teaching a class and, one question we asked was, uh, like, what days of the week would you be willing to do a class? Mm-hmm. And probably 80% of the people said it needed to be on Saturday and Sunday or, so, or like the weekend. Mm-hmm. Or, um, totally understandable. Right. Right. You know? Understandable. Um, our plan was to fly out to the West Coast and like yeah. hit up like Portland, Seattle, Los Se- Angeles, San Francisco, like four yeah. locations um, while we were out in the West Coast because plane tickets are expensive. Right. Um, but it just wouldn't make sense because we'd have to be there for four weeks, and like, right. what the hell would we do in between weekends? Right. So we kind yeah. of changed our our plan. Yeah. Well, and I still have a job. Oh right, yeah,
1: <laughs> this loser. <laughs> right. I'm 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 hoping to rectify that. I want to get fired
0: soon. Why didn't you say that while we were planning the the tour? What that I wanted to get fired? No, that you. I have a job. I can't be gone for three weeks. Well, because when
1: we initially discussed this, I had, I don't know. I thought like, okay, if we did it on like Portland, Seattle, and then we'd have a week in between there. Like I get a good amount of vacation at work. Sure. You know, and you have the fam out with us or whatever. And and I think it would make it work. Okay. It's once you started going beyond just bookending weekend with the with the week in between ah, okay okay then it quickly becomes more and then initially we we even looked at and maybe i just not knowing enough details thought like we'd fly out on a friday you know get you know get to seattle on a friday teach saturday sunday fly back on a monday but when we were talking about um you know overall expenses and everything that's that's then flights for every single destination right yeah and you know it it i mean it quickly it's like gosh we made 60 bucks <laughs> you know <I> mean, like <laughs> right yeah. um which you know we're all about doing it for the funsies uh but my
0: wife's all about doing it for the munsies. doing it for the munsies <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so we had like a a wonderful couple help us in planning that like that whatever week, two week long tour was Walter and his wife, Heidi. And, and they listened to the show and they're fans of my YouTube channel. Um, so if you guys hear this, we really appreciate your help. Mm-hmm. The expertise that Heidi brought to the planning was unprecedented. Yeah, It was, <laughs> she was the most prepared. Like we had meetings, right. like one a week and each person had their own job um, to kind of figure out, Like, uh, John was in charge of finding locations at the places Mm -hmm. and, um, Heidi gave me, uh, like tasks, like, uh, finding out like who my target audience is, what my, my brand's values are and things like that. But she was on top of it. Uh, Yeah. That was awesome.
1: And I mean, undoubtedly, you know, in the next six to 36 months, we'll circle back and we'll have a refined version of what we what we want to do, (laughs) what we want to do and, and see what's realistic.
0: Um, yeah, because i want to take the show on the road. Oh, absolutely. I want to do like three classes a year, four classes a year. Um, our, my plan right now, um, you can oftentimes find very cheap tickets to fly places like Boston or Denver or Austin, Texas, Mm -hmm. or, you know, popular, uh, metropolitan areas. Mm Mm-hmm. That costs like I don't know, like between a hundred and two hundred dollars a ticket, which is or even lower than hundred sometimes, which is super cheap. Right. And so whenever we find a, a deal like that, that you know is maybe like six months down the road or four months down the road, we'll buy the ticket and then research in that area for venues and then advertise it uh, out. Um, so it's one flight there and back, one class, but the the, the ticket cost, which is probably the biggest expense um, is reduced significantly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, the, the key there is then just the, the window, right? Cause we need enough time to promote it for all of you guys that yes. are in the area to learn about it, to sign up and everything. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't get those deals until kind of last second. So, yes. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're, I mean, we went through a lot of awesome stuff with Walter and Heidi. And I think one of the big things that we are looking forward to is making this an experience. Yeah,
0: not just like a boring class. Right.
1: This is not, I mean, this is not just learning how to paint. This is learning how to paint and hanging out with us. Having fun. Having fun. Cracking jokes. Cracking jokes. You know, you're always going to have one of us, like, showing you how to do stuff. But then you have the other one of us that are always going to be going around and helping and and giving, you know, giving advice and helping you on feedback. And um, we just think that the pairing is... It's a really valuable thing.
0: Yeah, I think you could have a larger class, but then you can all... Because the problem with doing it by yourself, and everyone done it one time, was that you paint, you have to finish first before everyone, and then while they're still working, walk around and a- answer questions. Yeah. And with having two people switching off with those two roles, you can just... You can, Someone can always be trolling. Right. And so, yeah, that's just a, I'll certainly be
1: trolling. (laughs) That That,
0: sucks.
1: (laughs) We're going to have some really funky looking Frankenstein versions of a miniature painted because you're going to have painted one part and I'll paint the other part. Right. And then the next class we'll swap a Rooney and then you got to paint, you got to paint the skin. (laughs) Yeah. And I got to paint the dress.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So yes, February twin city area in Minnesota. Um, it's going to be our first class as a, as a duo painting this class, 20 seats. You can buy the model and the digital class separate from the class, uh, to just, uh, learn how to paint the model like I did. Um, yeah, it was a long process. I'm super happy with how it turned out and I hope you guys are too. Um, but that's enough shilling for now (laughs) Uh, onto our regularly scheduled meat potatoes
1: yeah just get it out of there just get it out we can get on with the episode Mm, meat potatoes
0: (laughs) (laughs) um what we painted uh well um i painted the vampire um i needed to make a class for it so i had to paint it (laughs) huh is that how this works yeah um that's that's pretty much it uh I, i went into a very in-depth process this feels like more advertising which is, <laughs> which is not always a bad thing but so you know i took a very systematic approach to painting it because in order for demonstration to be good it can't just be all in my head it can't just be right. like i'm sitting at my desk talking so you know i pop the uh the the cover art cover art concept art into photoshop i color it I pick out what I want the materials to be, whether the dress is silk, whether the ruff around her, her neck is sheer. So I pick all these details beforehand, look at what the material actually looks like in real life, and then that inspires the paint job. Just so it's a very, very broken down process. Cool. Um, so yeah that, that's what i spent a lot of my time doing display miniatures can take a little bit of time to paint because they're just bigger and they have more details and you want to kind of like labor mm-hmm. over some of the details more because you want it to look good so yeah that's what i did yeah
1: well i think it's really cool that you're you're sharing some of the stuff prior to when you first dip your brush into the paint because sometimes that doing that I guess research is what you'd call it, but setting yourself up for success when you actually start painting the figure, when you've yes. done a little bit of research and yes. you know the direction, you have a good idea in your head of what the color scheme is going to be. Um, you can often hit roadblocks and even just find yourself not painting for days at a time because you're just kind of mentally exhausted by all the thought in the middle of the project. Yeah. If you can get some of that out of the way, you leave yourself open to just be more free with it. And so I think that's awesome to add that into... This um video series that will be available shortly
0: <laughs> <laughs> hoping to roll it out on black friday right, uh, fun, for but, four
1: easy payments well what
0: fi- hold on <laughs> when is this podcast coming out I don't it doesn't matter it it'll be after like really soon <laughs> um but you did a similar thing for your dragon for Creature Caster, right? Yeah. You had this prep process where you're looking at lizards, seeing what their skin tones looked like, seeing what mm-hmm. the, they look like in a certain environment with certain highlights on it and stuff like that. So similar to that. Yeah, I and I think
1: my main reason for that was because it's such a big model. I didn't want to like paint it all one color and realize I hated that color. Yeah. I mean, from a time-saving perspective, it's like, okay, I, I have a good idea of what I envision it to look like. I can see a real world version of it. I'm just more confident in just going through the steps now and trusting that in the end, um, it's going to look okay because, as we all know, in that first 60% or whatever of your painting process, a lot of the times you're just like, ooh, <laughs> this, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, And so it it's just gets, hold on. get a little confidence there. So, yeah, I painted the vampire. Uh, what did you paint, John? Well, um, there's a game known as Relic Blade. Yeah. Made by a wonderful, wonderful gentleman with a beautiful mustache, uh, by the name of Sean Sean Connor? Sean Sutter. I want to say Sa- he made
0: that game. Yeah, Sean what, wears a newsboy hat, giant mustache. the, the guy that's at Adepticon. Yeah,
1: that's the guy who made the game. Yes. What?
0: Yes, that's cool.
1: Yeah, so a uh, super fun game that uh, I got some buddies that really, really, really love it, and we got to uh, test it out and see it in action with the one and only Malev that De Kenobi. Shinobi uh, at Adepticon. Um,
0: amazing painter, too, and we'll we'll link his Instagram below. Dude, his live streams are freaking amazing. He yeah. raps for you if you sub or donate or something, and he is good at rapping. He is he just I think his album just released totally. oh yeah another uh, album came out he dropped one recently yeah. yeah
1: so great musician great mini painter and he's the studio painter for relic blade yes. so all the awesome pictures you see online for the game are all his work um, I was saying that some friends are in locally are really into this game and they said hey John can you paint all the minis for us all the minis <laughs> and I was like what do you mean by all the minis well it's it's all of what the, you mean. <laughs> what you mean? All the minis. Um, it's all the character minis. So it's okay. uh, I got eleven of them. Okay. And I, if you guys don't know this, I have spent a ridiculous amount of money lately on a video and audio equipment for YouTube videos and and, and what else com- you spend money on uh, and a computer and. Age of Sigmar models yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of like alright I'll paint them <laughs> I like the models um, there's a lot of character to them they have a feel to them that doesn't feel like generic fantasy a lot of fantasy figures outside of Games Workshop feel very generic in aesthetic and they didn't have a cohesive style um, these are not those minis so um, I'm excited to paint them um i did make one asterisk to my agreement in that they are metal minis and i requested that they already be built and pinned before they come to me because mm-hmm. that takes so much time did you varnish them i i mean you didn't varnish them i'm not all the way done yet okay scott. good, good, good okay. i'm not all the way done yet scott so i won't varnish them but <laughs> but <laughs> why not <laughs> i primed them because they're metal okay so and you're going to I will, varnish I, them I, I will varnish them because they're metal because you know as we all know if a metal mini is more likely to tip over that chipping is going to happen yeah and you, i mean the varnish isn't gonna 100 percent save that but put on like three thick coats so then you can't even see what i painted yeah and it just looks like a frosty mug yeah filled like with a, root beer
0: like an ice cube in the shape <laughs> of a miniature right generally
1: uh so i've been working on those um in uh a, a fun style getting some cool colors on there and not just kind of having fun with it and not thinking too hard but still trying to make them look cool at a tabletop that you know you'll see i like whoa that looks cool that's that's my goal my goal is whoa When is day's gonna be done
0: soonish okay like like like, like, before, like two, two weeks two weeks or less okay yeah okay i'll hope to do that all right good We'll if get you pictures don't out finish there. it in two weeks, I get the money that you get for the commission. What? This is the worst bet ever. <laughs> you get nothing if you get it done. <laughs> you right, get paid. If I, <laughs> you get it on time. You get paid. You
1: want to put tendies on this?
0: No. <laughs> I already lost tendies. <laughs> Here's the right here now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, life is better when tendies are on the line, my That's, friend. Okay. Get that tattooed on your lower back.
0: <laughs> right below the pant line. <laughs> right below. <laughs> um yeah so that's what i've been doing that's cool
1: kind of cool kind of moderately cool I mean, and cool, also man. extremely stressing over uh competition stuff it, like it creeps up on you didn't it feel like we were just oh. driving home from Adepticon? no it didn't yeah it does it totally feels like it okay. and i'm like oh crap We you know, are so close
0: someone said something um i think it was irk irk is the patron of of my youtube channel and he mentioned hey scott don't you think john yourself and john enjoy painting minis less because of something you mentioned two episodes ago you both mentioned how the painting process isn't really that much fun (laughs) maybe the last parts are like you know Mm -hmm. 20 percent of the final is fun but the rest is is not that that much that much fun and he said don't you think it's because one scott you're only painting things for youtube exclusively and john two, you are always painting high stress pieces Mm. or at least maybe thinking about it yeah um is that a reason
1: i think that's a that's a really good comment i yeah. think it's i think there's a lot of truth to that
0: yeah i mean i mean I, I don't know i uh i made that video about my entire painted miniature collection and then sam saw that video and he came over and he was like you haven't painted a lot of stuff other than what i've seen on youtube and i was like literally there's a one model there's one single model i can't even remember it's a necromunda model a Codor gang dude oh yeah yeah that, that is the only model that I had painted that was not for the express purpose of making a video or earning money in like a private lesson or something like that. Um, that's got to be unhealthy. Uh, I got to rectify that.
1: And wasn't that caught model? Weren't you planning to do a video with it
0: anyway and then
1: just didn't? Or? No, I
0: didn't film anything. Okay. Like I just, okay. I brought it home one time, went home to Wisconsin and I painted it in the GW store. I wanted oh, to have a GW yeah. model to paint. I, I still wasn't using their brushes or their paint, but
1: <laughs> come on. <laughs> but neither does Darren Latham. So. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: uses uh, uh their paint. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He did. Also, their paint is not bad. It's good. The paint it. is good. Their I mean, paint it's right there good. behind me. You can see it. Um, dang it, I was gonna say something. So, oh, oh, so what? What did you want to say? No,
1: I was, I was just kind of flowing with that that deep cut by Irk on, mm-hmm. <laughs> on it like. I I think another part of it for me is I have this. This really does tie in with the social media side too, and probably mm-hmm. should have talked
0: about it in the correct episode. But there were a lot of good comments on that episode about things that we didn't consider. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyways,
1: but I always I have this I have this stressor about putting pictures of my work up there that isn't high like really high quality work. Sure. Yeah. I understand because that. I I'm still at a spot like I want. I mean ego comes in here like I want people to take me seriously I want people to say wow he's a really good painter I'm like Mm -hmm. oh you know not in the conversations with the best of the best like you know in the same breath but uh, you know you have goals to that you want to achieve and you want to get better you want to be regarded as a great painter I mean when I say you I mean me I mean I really I really want that yeah and so I feel like if I'm showing stuff on Instagram that isn't great that that undermines it and so if i'm painting stuff that isn't going to go on there and look good i feel like it's not a good use of my time yeah and instead all i do is and narrow cast myself into these high stress works that take so much time and i'm not actually getting better as much as i could if i would have just painted
0: just keep painting more Mm -hmm. paint more minis amen preach (laughs) different different show no (laughs) i hate calling youtube videos shows right it's like we're special because this is not on network television why we're we using a word that is from that that time period or that that day and age of entertainment it's on the way out yeah there's no live studio audience no, Yeah, exactly. in your basement well there's... <laughs> welcome to the show it's like oh it just it feels a little cringy
1: <laughs> well we have we got moose and crusher
0: yeah and bullet <laughs> That's and you, our can, you can occasionally hear crusher barking at people oh, yeah that'd be cool if like Moose. Like, got up on this table. He's he might not do that. He'd probably just hack up a hairball and be the best part of the episode. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> well, that was a awful sound. <laughs> we, we talked about doing this show at a live studio
1: audience. Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> Darren Latham mentioned he wanted to be on the podcast, which is freaking
1: awesome. Yeah.
0: Um, so cool. And he's going to be an Adepticon. So we thought, okay, can we bring like a light kit? of this to Adepticon and like find a room and do it. And we're like, what if we had like a live audience uh, watching? I think that'd be probably too stressful. Uh, Cause like you get this uh, swirling emotions of trying to perform in front of people and say the right thing, as opposed to it just being like a, like an intimate conversation Yeah, that then later goes online for thousands of people to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we control it in this moment yes not in the moment you're
1: listening to it right in this moment we control it at least it feels like it's in control (laughs) um i i agree that it might be too much when we're already dealing with a format that we're not accustomed to which is a third wheel darren you're the third wheel yeah. Yes, Darren. <laughs> actually he's in the tricycle he's the front wheel here you're, you're, we're the two rear wheels
0: <laughs> yeah, he's driving the ship yeah <laughs> he's the real point of interest <laughs> right
1: I think in that context it would be difficult we're not experienced enough yeah however if there was a version that was just you and I we could do that we could do that
0: yeah I don't even know what that would look like people would like heckle probably
1: I would love it <laughs> <laughs> cuz it would be 80% point at you. Uh, just not getting references. Right. That's what it would be. It's okay, I can take it. I There's can take people it. in the background yelling
0: double dragon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's do that. We'll, we'll make
0: it happen somehow. We'll, we'll be at a place, See, doing a thing. Here's the thing: you just gotta, you just say that, and you put that out on the internet. I'm the one who actually needs to make it happen.
1: What? No, I, I show got all up. The crap.
0: I, yeah, that, that's all you do. You show up. Right. I will carry microphones. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll sign autographs. How about your you autograph? Set up the whole thing. Okay. And tear it all down. Well, we are. Do you talk- even know how to put a camera on a tripod?
1: Yes, I know how to put a camera on a tripod. <laughs>
0: Remains, i have to, to learn it remains to be seen <laughs> well
1: you have to take my word for it okay okay <laughs> we talked about we talked about
0: uh moving locales yeah to my house yeah so um i don't think i'd have to deal with traffic no maybe south on 35e in a st you Paul.
1: you actually uh you would go reverse because i'm going from ah. a more r- rural area up to the twin cities in the morning which is where everybody's going to work yeah and then i'm leaving the twin cities in the evening when everyone's going home from work you'd have the opposite yeah so you would be much i mean you probably save like 10 15 minutes max but
0: or in the case of this morning uh
1: yeah hours <laughs> hours um but yeah so my uh my basement is in the midst of being finished right now yes so, so
0: you might notice john why is your basement being finished
1: oh I'm, i am putting in uh a studio in my basement so we have an unfinished basement and uh studio yeah the main room is going to be uh an art stew stew studio no one's going to get that reference i certainly
0: didn't no we'll see who gets it in the comments i'm not going to disclose it <laughs> but he's got he, he's making an art studio one just to have a permanent spot to paint yep so he's not homeless
1: yeah, the the fortress not of solitude.
0: Not painting out of a cardboard box anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're a painting hobo right now.
1: Yeah, it's behind the Home Depot. <laughs> that's it's the, it's the best place to get those stir sticks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, so you can make YouTube videos. Yeah,
1: that's that's it. So, so
0: if you want to subscribe to John's eventual channel, uh, it's it'll be in the show notes. It's uh, Ninjohn on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're not sure if you want to commit to being a full-fledged tuber you want to first feel out the process see if it's something for you and then and Mm -hmm. then if it is go with it right
1: yeah to me like the uh, the the process of um the painting stuff and the the talking and the and just having fun on camera i'm super excited for that Mm -hmm. the technological backside Mm -hmm. is what worries me right um, as well as the, the slowly mounting pressure of the people trickling in that are subscribing to my channel with no videos. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry, guys,
0: there's nothing here. <laughs> hey, man, it costs nothing to subscribe. Yeah, that's so. true. Don't feel guilty. Oh, I thought they were always giving me money. <laughs> Damn it. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. <laughs> oh.
1: oh. Uh, so, yeah. So when that gets done, which will hopefully be soon, mm-hmm. um, we'll we'll look at, you know, moving down – And then I will be the one that will bitch about putting stuff up. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. And then I'll learn how to edit videos. Will you edit all of them then? What do you mean all of them? All of them? That's what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) I will will check the contract. So far you owe me seven (laughs) episodes.
1: Alright, we'll we'll renegotiate at that point. <laughs> yes, I, I need to learn anyway,
0: so why not screw up the podcast? It's not too hard to edit the podcast. It's a multicam sequence and you just cut back and forth when you're feeling flashy, toss up a few photos. Right. Science seal deliver.
1: Yeah. When I'm taking drinks at Mountain Dew, bam, only Scott. When <laughs> you make anything. when you make funny faces, bam. <laughs> go to John. Which is all the time. So Uh-oh. My, you'll know my videos because it'll just be me on the camera.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Even while I'm talking, it's yeah, right. just on you. <laughs> Only need one camera. <laughs> Dude,
1: this is super simple.
0: I don't know why you're complaining about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Topic for discussion is busting past plateaus makes me feel good. Makes me feel good. Busting. Um, but yeah, just, uh, and this is a topic that is very well researched. So we're just going to talk about it in, in light of miniature painting. Um, you can look up how to break past plateaus and you will get examples for creative people, authors, for weightlifting people, people trying to do weight loss. It's all all kinds of areas where this is a very applicable topic. Mm-hmm. Was this one um, given to us by a patron or is this one of our own devised? No, this was from the Brain Trust. The Brain Trust. Okay. Yeah. The Brain Trust came up with this. Okay, cool. So yeah, um, Breaking Plast plateaus um, I'll, I'll kick us off here I did some pre podcast research look at you pro pro so I could sound professional mm-hmm. um, but I th- there's a few things that i read that I, that really resonated with me and um, one is I think they kind of go hand in hand allowing yourself to make mistakes and always working outside of your comfort zone did you just did you just, did you just vomit <laughs> in my mouth who <laughs> why <laughs> i had to like
1: hiccup and i wanted to not do it on mic and so i like tried to hold it back and instead
0: it like created this suction <laughs> <coughs> we have a lot of dour topics that we kind of discuss when we get real serious so moments like that are <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it but yeah okay uh to, to rehash um Allowing yourself to make mistakes and two, working outside your comfort zone. Now those sound like really nice things, but what do I mean? Allowing yourself to make mistakes. Let's start there. Sometimes you should just paint a miniature and tell yourself at the beginning, this is not going to look good. I'm going to make mistakes and that's fine. No one is going to see it. I don't need to put it on the internet. I don't need to show anyone. I'm just going to use it for the exercise of experimentation and making mistakes. Okay, there was this, uh, I can't remember his name, but there was a guy who was practicing memorization, right? Mm -hmm. And for this particular competition, they would shuffle a deck of 52 cards, and you'd have to look through it and memorize the order of 52 cards. And by the end of his training, he was able to do it in two minutes, okay? That sounds insane, terrible. (laughs) Insane. Absolutely insane, okay? Mm. But he hit a plateau. And he couldn't he couldn't figure out how to decrease his time to memorization as if six minutes was so awful, right? <laughs> yeah. To remember fifty two cards, um, and so what he did and this this is about kind of doing things that are uncomfortable. Um, he figured out his fastest rate, um, which was like six minutes, seven minutes, something like that, and then he tried to increase it by ten, twenty percent, working basically giving himself less time with each card to memorize it. Um, And he made a lot of mistakes doing that in his memorization, but he saw an overall improvement in his times over time. And this is basically the idea is, is that the more you operate outside of your comfort zone or trying to operate uh, maybe with like, 80% 80% of your comfort zone, and 20% is experimentation. The more you do that, the more you're going to make mistakes, but the more you're going to have a trend that moves toward overall improvement. Mm. So this also you know, is about thinking long-term instead of short-term. Right. Right. And we mentioned this in passing last time, is that every single model is a milestone in your progress, right? Not every single model is like the end-all be-all, but it's just a stepping stone so if you view each failure as planned and as progress toward your ultimate goal of being a better miniature painter it's a lot easier of a pill to swallow and i think probably a more healthy way of of painting and looking at painting because when you make a mistake it's like this is part of the plan this is this is okay this is this is progress
1: right yep i think i think that makes a lot of sense i think that um you're feeling like you're plateauing often because you're you're not trying something new or pushing yourself. Yeah, I, I find a a lot of people will that have have said that, um, and actually just had a local guy in our Age of Sigmar group reach out to me um, and say, "Hey, man, can I talk to you about painting? I just feel like I like I I'm not getting better, and I really want to get better, and I'm trying to get better, but it's just like I'm I've hit a point where I'm I'm okay, but I want to get better." Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I ask him, you know, what new thing is are you adding? Because if you want to get better, there's two things you can do. You can either add new tools to your tool belt. And in this case, it would be new techniques, um, new approaches to painting that you don't typically do. Or it's really actively honing in on one thing that you already do with the direct purpose of making that one thing better. Sure. And if you're not really actively trying to do one of those two things that that model isn't helping you very much and not that you aren't getting better but it's just super slow compared to trying something new being okay to screw up with it but seeing the potential there yeah yeah
0: i think it's just really powerful to plan to paint terribly with a model not intentionally but because you are trying something new oftentimes it can feel like daunting to try something new because you want everything you paint to look perfect. But if you pick a model up and it's like, sorry, buddy, you're the stepping stone. And it's just like, and you just, you just try things and you just fail. And you know, you, you know, it looks bad, but you're just failing on purpose uh, with the intention of learning. I think that just, for me, that frame of mind helps, helps a lot. Um, but you mentioned something, that second thing, honing in on something. And that made me think of the word mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And, uh, We have a mutual friend. His name is Jake, Mm -hmm. and he shared with me a podcast uh, that was a a daily meditation podcast on mindfulness. Mm. And the intention of it is to be just be more aware uh, of what's going on inside of your head, because like your thoughts are incredibly chaotic and they're constantly shifting, and the sensations you feel and think about, like there's so much going on, and just being mindful of that can like can have a ripple effect in your life of being mindful of other things. So in regards to miniature painting, so much of what we do is on autopilot, right? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned this, I think in the very first video on my channel. Yeah. Or the second one, one or two is, you called it being proactive Proactive. in the process. Mm -hmm. And it's just thinking about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Everything, being very mindful about every single step you're taking, having a purpose, and not just flying on autopilot, and I think that's really important to do as well. Having a an intentionality with what you are doing and why you are doing it. Mm-hmm.
1: And I th- I think if you expand this a little bit, um, it permeates to a lot of the questions that get asked around the hobby um, very consistently, and they they're the antithesis of of being mindful. What color did you use for this model? What steps did you take to make the skin look that good? Mm-hmm. Those are all the those are questions we all hear. We've probably almost had somebody ask it about anything we've posted. Right? Oh, how did you get the skin? What what colors did you use for the skin? Those are the antithesis of being mindful. Instead of even in the observation stage, even when you don't have a paintbrush in your hand, how are you looking at that work and dissecting it? In actively thinking about how you could reproduce that. And instead of just asking for the autopilot version of an answer, which is, well, I started with, you know, I don't know, whatever, Screamer Pink. And then I shaded with Druky Violet. And then I added another layer of Screamer Pink. And then I added some Ushabti Bone to the Screamer. like. They're just asking for the steps, right? Right. It's it's the old adage. They're asking for a fish instead of asking learning how to fish, right? Yeah. And and it's very much um, a frame of mind how you approach the hobby. And a lot of people say painting minis is very cathartic, sure. And it's very um, you know it's it's entrancing and it's relaxing and it's all that. And maybe it's just the way different folks approach things and different personality types. It's not that way at all to me. No. It's not because I'm always like beeline engaged with something I'm doing. And if I'm not, I'm feeling like, uh-oh, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like I, I sunk into an autopilot thing here and I'm it's not going to look any better. And sometimes it's cool to do models that way, Yeah, right? I want to pump out some stuff for my army. I want to just do this commission for a buddy and I'm getting paid some money, but it doesn't need to be epic right right that's okay to do that and those are fun and those are probably very healthy exercises to have yeah i agree um but if you are saying i'm at a plateau or i feel like i'm not getting any better did i put the i put the emphasis on the but wrong syllable, syllable.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah plateau uh, plateau plateau <laughs> there you go um if you feel like you've hit a plateau <laughs> Then y- you probably just need to re-engage. Re-engage. Yep. Get back
0: in the driver's seat. Yeah, just strap in. Don't let that Tesla drive you around. You drive, you drive the Tesla. Those things are so expensive. Are they? I thought one was kind of cheap, like 30 grand. Oh, no. That's
1: expensive. I looked up and they're like 150. There I'm sure are, there's cheaper ones. The
0: model, the, the model 3 is the consumer, consumer air quotes, uh, one that is a little bit cheaper. It oh. still has all the bells and whistles, or a lot of them at least.
1: I, we got a little, uh, you know, moment there. Where we completely
0: Tesla's. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> back on topic. Um, another thing that I think is uh, there's two more things that I think could be helpful in anything. I think of in between. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think um, someone mentioned an interesting comment about our social media podcast, which it was like. The downside of social media is that it can make people feel as though they are subject matter experts when they are not because people will laud them and praise them and tell them they're doing good things. So it's like, okay, maybe I'm doing something right. Oh, now I am the, the subject matter expert on painting orcs or doing whatever it is yeah. And when you're not. Mm-hmm. Or, or you are somewhere in the journey to becoming one, but you are not there yet. So it's like making people feel as though they are an authority when they're not. And this relates to improvement because I think an important part of improvement is getting out of your echo chamber of uh, co- uh, uh, polite comments and, and niceties and, and all of these people telling you that you are good. And I think you mentioned this because you can get complacent yeah. if everyone thinks you're amazing. So I think um, just like being personal with your process and with the miniature you're painting and not putting stock in what people say, how good you are, uh, can, can help. So this can manifest itself in ways like not posting what you painted online. So you can't get that, that, that positive reinforcement that people kind of seek a lot. Um, oftentimes people do this, um, physically they'll, uh, they'll like maroon themselves somewhere Without distractions, without phones, without music, without uh, other people in their life that would normally kind of like uh, distract them and they'll they'll just work on something for a long time and kind of get into that flow state um, to kind of get that improvement without having validation or distraction from other people
1: yeah i I think that's a really really good point is um it, I mean it really does tie into the social media aspect of this is it quickly gets more complex, Mm -hmm. um, when at a base level, it, it doesn't need to be that, um, in order for you to, to move through. Um, one thing that I think about, uh, when it comes to plateaus is, um, I've been doing more research and, and watching of, of videos and reading articles about, uh, I think I talked about this in a previous episode about artistic endeavors and artistic expression and artists in general and what makes efficient artists Yeah, and I watched this really cool video about this guy giving an explanation of this and how um, he greatly increased the quality of his two dimensional artwork in a year Um, and I I think the name of the video uh, YouTube video is um, like 10 qualities of, of productive artists or okay. something like that. I'll, I'll find it and we'll put it in the show notes. Sure. Um, but one of the points that he made that really resonated with me was directly addressing plateaus. <laughs> Damn, you know I said again. <laughs> How do you make that mistake twice? <laughs> I don't think it's incorrect to call it a plateau. Okay. It's, a, it's like a platotopus or something. <laughs> you can call it whatever you
0: want, sweetie. <laughs> um, crap. What was I saying? <laughs> uh, you're talking about the TED Talk you watched.
1: right, I'm trying to remember which one of his comments because it was the most important one. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So one thing he was trying to do, and and he shows pictures of his sketches while he's giving this presentation, and it's really interesting. So he really wanted to improve the quality of the human faces he was drawing. mm -hmm. And he showed a bunch of pictures of of eyes and faces and just shoulder-up pictures that he had drawn, and they did not look good. Like, the anatomy was off, the ratios were off, um the human face is something that if you, if you draw the race, the ratios incorrectly, us as humans, like we're used to looking at a human face and can immediately tell us something's wrong. Right. And it looks bad really quickly. Yeah. Um, and so he said, I realized I reached a plateau. <laughs> I keep, <laughs> I, I kept spending more and more hours. He's like, I spent a ton of hours drawing and it wasn't getting any better. And he said, then I, I came to a revelation that continuing to just spend more hours for the sake of spending more hours is not going to help me get better. Mm. So he took a step back and then for an entire day he didn't draw at all. Instead all he did was research on the structure of the human face the all the ratios um, the, the size of a human eye and, and all these things and he spent a, a full day doing that like he said eight hours the next day he started to draw again with this new knowledge that he had absorbed, which he said helped him absorb so much better because he spent a lot of hours doing it wrong. I think that's a really key portion of this. Yes. Is that you, you can go out there and watch all the YouTube videos, read people's blogs, listen to this podcast. That is not take the place of the hours at the painting table. Absolutely. You know, it's there to accent them accent what i think my brain just (laughs) what is wrong with you
0: um what did you say ascent them accent them accent (laughs) not accent something's going on my heart dies is full is it the hood is it blocking brainwaves from getting out right (laughs) yeah it's getting warm in here (laughs) um yeah i think you bring up a very good point um if you keep ramming your head against the wall and you keep making the exact same mistakes, taking a step back and kind of shoring up your foundation and then proceeding is, is something very valuable. So for him, his understanding of the human anatomy wasn't, wasn't on lock. And Mm -hmm. once he did that, he could start again with new information and, and proceed from there. And I did this recently with a model that I was painting. I was a furbolg apparently. Uh, I, I called it a wood elfy thing and oh, that's incorrect. Sir. I got crucified. Yeah. I mean, I called it a wood elfy thing. Okay. One thing I love about podcasts is that I can respond to all the comments that I get <laughs> in my YouTube channel. Um, and none of those same people are listening, right? <laughs> maybe a few of them are. <laughs> um, but cause I got like seven comments like that. So it's like, this is, I mean, whatever. Anyways. Um, I really got back to basics with that model. You know, I used Citadel paint range. I used techniques that I haven't used in a long time, like layering with very thin paints. And I was kind of just firming up the foundation just to reaffirm that the things I knew were true were, were true and, mm-hmm. and, and did work out. And I guess now that I say these things, this isn't entirely related to the anatomy thing. Cause he was learning something new that he hadn't learned before. I was just reaffirming, uh, my foundation of knowledge. Well, he's taken class. He says he's he's taken classes and stuff. Okay, so just so, remembering. Yeah, I, I think the uh,
1: to kind of piggyback off your story there about what Elfie things, um <laughs> it, I think one important factor here is that you absorb more and things click more if you have attempted them. Yes, have not succeeded, and then you learn. Do you know about the triangle of learning? Is that like the Illuminati? No. Okay.
0: Uh, do you have more to say? Uh, uh, now I want to
1: learn about the Illuminati. So
0: <laughs> so there's this concept of the triangle of learning where at the top is spoken word. And spoken word, you remember 10% of what you hear. Mm-hmm. And then below that is r- practice. And then below that is writing. And then below that is memorization. or I can't remember the perfect order, but basically the idea is that just listening to something like your brain is like a sieve. It's just going to, you're going to lose 90% of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know where they get that factor, but I mean, it makes sense when you listen to someone's like public speak, you probably can't remember any of it. Um, but if you go and practice something, you can remember it like quite a bit. Um, so yeah, practice, what? Why did I bring this up? What were you I, saying? I don't. I. You know, I was. I thought you were going somewhere.
1: What did it was you mostly say about this the, the Illuminati? Well, that once he had he had gruled over, spent poured a lot of hours over trying to draw the human face correctly and failing, even though he had learned that in an art class, and he was said he'd been taking like you know community ed art classes like two days a week to while to learn how to do this, and this guy wasn't a professional artist. Like he just really wanted to. Get good at that. Yeah. And he really committed to himself of, for a year. And actually he did a, I think the, the story is, you can watch the video if you want. The story is that he bet like his brother-in-law or something like $10,000 that what? he could get so many likes on his artwork on a social media platform. It was it was like an art platform. I hadn't heard of the name of it, but art anyway. Art station? Art station. That could have been it. Okay. And he was, he was like $10,000 to get 10,000 likes. Shoot. Did he do in it? In a year and he did it with like 48 hours to go. Oh my gosh, so, that's crazy. Yeah. And so, and this was another one of his his um and this is something you've talked about before and he said the bet was this. If I don't do it, I pay him. It was either 1000 or 10,000. I can't remember which.
0: I hope it's 1000. That's that's quite, that's quite a bit of money.
1: $10, he says, if I don't do it, I pay him the money. If I do it, he doesn't pay me anything. And He said, here's the reason why. Oh, punishment. Yeah. He he sets himself up with the right amount of pressure to keep himself on track over time to commit to completing his task. Yes. yes. And this is something you've talked about before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned, I, I, I've never uh, done it. Um, well, I guess I have done it, but I've never failed and then suffered the consequence. I did it one time. I gave myself a time frame to become a full-time YouTuber, nine months mm-hmm. or it was a year. And if I didn't finish it in a year, I would just not do it. And so that's what really made me productive in terms of making a video a week for like a whole year straight. And now I'm still doing the one video a week thing not because I can. Um, but yeah, that, that really does work. Um, having, a, having a punishment uh, that helps pro- productivity quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that really helps learning is spacing out your learning. Mm. Like you would know this if you ever try to cram for a test or memorize something in like a single evening maybe you can remember it for the next 20 minutes. But then after that, it just all starts to leak out, right? Yeah. So if you're gonna learn how to wet blend or do NMM, space your sessions out over multiple days and weeks. And the more you practice, the more you can really easily commit information to memory Mm -hmm. um, instead of just kind of forgetting it. Because in the beginning, you're gonna try it and it's kind of like like total ass. Um, But the more you do it, the less it'll look like ass. And the more you can remember, like the pitfalls that you hit and the reasons why certain things work and why they don't.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I agree. I didn't. I. I was actually just listening there and not thinking what I was going to say next. That's you know. So then I'm just like, conversations are hard, you know. It is hard to talk,
0: <laughs> yeah, especially for you right yeah. now. I think I'm having a stroke. A <laughs> <laughs> scent or whatever you said. I can't even remember. <laughs> ass i don't know i don't know <laughs> but yeah what else can you do to improve or not improve break past painting plateaus we talked about having intentionality of failing moving outside of your comfort zone i think
1: i think that one area we haven't touched on yet is have you actually plateaued maybe you think you have but you really haven't Maybe you need to take a look at your last five miniatures, truly side by side, yeah, and place them in order of you know how long ago you've painted them, and really look through them um, and see. You know what? Maybe I just don't feel like it in the moment, but when I actually put these in front of me, I could. I, there actually is some some improvements coming here. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we often say we are plateauing when we only have like a a three model sample size. Yeah, it, yeah. And that's
0: not enough. Yeah. Paint for a year.
1: Yep. Yeah. If you're saying I, you know, I've been painting every day for six months straight. I think I would legit and be like, here's 40 models. I think they all roughly look the same. Okay. Now we need to come up with a game plan. Now you need to strategize what you're doing to get out of that comfort zone. Cause if you're doing 40 over six months and they don't look better, i guarantee you you weren't going out of your comfort zone right you were doing the same process yeah maybe i tried a little mm and M- 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 or whatever yeah but
0: no follow-up yeah no follow through i like that i like that a lot it's like people will think they're plateauing when they just simply haven't put it in the hours mm-hmm. so yeah check yourself right <laughs> before you label yep. yourself
1: And and it's more of just trying to caution you to not be so hard on yourself too, because
0: okay, you're being nice. Okay, sure,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was being a dick. Yeah, I was being nice. I don't know what you were doing over there. (laughs) Like, yeah, trust the guy that's having the stroke. Don't trust that (laughs) jerk over there. No, like to just don't don't be so hard on yourself in in like saying, oh, this is as good as I'm going to be. Oh, I've plateaued. I'm not going to get any better. Oh, I don't know how to get better. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? First things first. Just keep. Just keep at it for a while and then really give yourself critique time. Maybe you have those couple of people that you really trust their opinions and maybe you send the five pictures of your five latest models to them and see if they can tell you which one is the latest one you've painted by it was.
0: That's a fun idea.
1: Can other people see the
0: improvement? Oh, um, well, a little voice crack there. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, two weeks ago, you posed the challenge of putting paint on a paintbrush mm-hmm. every single day as a minimum acceptance. You don't even need to paint miniatures just doing that. And I want to toss this back to the community. Have you guys done that? And if so, has it improved your productivity? Um, has it been a waste of time or, or was it actually helpful? Yeah. Because you know that, that's the that's a good segue to being productive and making sure you're, you're training and whatnot what not you know someone had an interesting co- I, I made a video a long time ago not well, not a long time ago but it was like seven miniature painting tips you probably don't want to hear oh and it, yeah. was, it was like me being like a mean dad right okay and someone commented on it and it was it was fun it was uh they said like you people are weird if i'm not having a good time painting miniatures i just don't paint miniatures and i was like Touche. Fair, <laughs> um, and I think, yeah. If if you're someone listening to this podcast, and you're not, if if you if you just do it for fun, and it's like John was saying, it's relaxing and it's cathartic, and it's not like a mountain you're trying to conquer, mm-hmm. then you know don't worry about plateauing. If as long as you're still having fun, then it's okay. There are certain kinds of people and personalities that feel like. They always need to be like conquering the next thing and always, always doing better. But there, there was an article put out a long time ago. Not a long time ago. I don't know. Why I keep saying this. Your frame of reference of time is, is bad. Is, is completely it's all very, very bad. The place. Maybe like the last three months. A um, long time ago. <laughs> uh, New York Times did an online article about the phenomenon of people trying to make their hobby their job. Um, having a Facebook group for like, and, and it was specifically about miniature painting. New York Times, crazy, right? What? Yeah, Roman Lapot shared it, and then I think Adam oh I made a video about that. this. I did see that, and it was just like, take a step back and just make sure you're having fun with what you're doing instead of trying to take everything that you love to do so seriously that it needs to be your job. So. I mean, this kind of is flying in the face of everything we talked about right now. <laughs> but just assess what kind of person you are, right? If you're the kind of person that wants to take it seriously, wants to make strides and improve constantly, then then consider the things we talked about. But if you are perfectly happy where you are with your process and your outcome, dude, leave this stuff at the door. You don't need to take it. It is not a requirement that you be seeking improvement at all times. Mm. Right? You agree with that or not agree with that?
1: I, Yeah, I... I think there's probably, uh, I agree with that with an, with an asterisk. I think any time that, even even those of us that really just just do some because it's it's a relaxing hobby, it's it's fun, it's it's in our free time, it's nothing super stressful. Um, we still want to know, like, you know, I'm getting better, or I'm better than I was, or or I'm seeing improvement because there is the satisfaction, the personal satisfaction of that. And it's naturally going to happen sure. just by spending hours doing that, right? You right. know, um, even if if you followed the you know base shade highlight three step you know traditional GW process, um, you could re- you could only do those three steps for five years of painting, and you would get really really good at painting if you painted a lot. You could probably do base coat shade highlight and have competition level pieces what because each of those steps for you would slowly evolve and get better than it was at the beginning
0: yeah but it would still cer- be those three steps at a certain point you're going to hit a plateau right what we've been talking about a way of improving is by stretching your legs and trying and experimenting new things and if you just stuck to the same thing that is painting in the comfort zone What's the difference it, if you if you
1: just did not expand your interpretation of those three steps? <laughs> okay,
0: then you're right. A little semantics game. Well, here.
1: you know. Okay, you're not going to back me in a corner, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but it, it, it's
1: okay. As you spend more time doing it, you should naturally come to some realizations if you're active in the process. That in this highlighting step okay, I did my base, I did my shade, now I do my highlights. Actually, what if I do two highlights? What if I do three highlights? If I use a different color. What if I use a different color? What if I just use micro texture? <laughs> wah, wah,
0: wah. <laughs> MLG foghorn. <laughs>
1: um, if if you expand your comfort zone and get a little out of it every now and then, you could still start with your base and not, I'm not, I'm just saying you don't add wet blending. You don't add, you know, glazing. You don't add these. You're You're
0: expanding on the technique that you are already using. And so
1: you don't have to really be like, you know, pedal to the metal, you know, nose to the grindstone, wanting to get super, super
0: good, super, super quick. Wait, do you have another analogy that we could use? Pedal to the metal, nose to the grindstone. Balls to the wall. Balls to the wall. How about a fourth one? I'll buy you 10 if you think of a fourth one in the 10 seconds one. Dick in a meat grinder. That's <laughs> that one. Damn it. And Dang it. I'm actually impressed you did three. Uh, I know. I'll, when I'm driving home tonight, I'll be like, oh!
1: <laughs>
0: now we're totally off track. Yeah, now I'm not thinking at all about this. I'm just trying to find
1: the fourth one. <laughs> Tendies could have been mine. Dang
0: it. Um, I... I, I Hold up. Don't I always buy you tendies? Always. Every time you come down, don't I buy you tendies? No. No?
1: mostly do.
0: (laughs) Then what's the desire for getting free tendies if you already get it?
1: To earn them.
0: Oh, you want to earn the tendies. It's gambling. I like to gamble. Okay. You don't like to gamble, apparently. I mean, gambling is a thing that I know exists. I'm aware of its existence. I don't hate it and I don't like it. And gambling on your career. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> was
1: safer. It was no gamble to just stay working in, you know, the office space. But then I'd with the bobs. die a slow, miserable death. <laughs> well, you know, but, uh, you know, at least you'd have health insurance. <laughs> 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 Plateaus. Plateaus. I think this is one of those things as well. Plateaus are something that, like... I don't think they exist as much as people think they do it's just kind of a, a hot top hot button topic sure right it's, it's a it's a hip phrase that's used in the hobby a lot
0: how to improve plateaus? Yeah.
1: yeah yep and there's a difference between a plateau and how and improving i think there's a difference okay plateau is literally a mountain that's flat on top and it doesn't <laughs> get any higher right and so i've i've hit the top uh, how do i get to the next mountain that's higher than this one right getting better is is more of a, a big staircase okay just because you're like i'm painting some and i'm not you know i haven't seen an improvement lately that doesn't mean you've plateaued it's just kind of a key phrase that people throw around a lot you will get better if you take the steps you presented to you in this video <laughs>
0: <laughs> for 3.99 3.99
1: um, so I, I, I think that it's, it's kind of an over-exaggeration term kind of thing that you you want to get better. You're not seeing it as fast as you want to. So you think you've plateaued when in actuality, you haven't really plateaued. don't It's not like life and death here. You're not like as good as you're ever going to be and y- you literally cannot get any better at painting than you are today. That's not true. Don't over-exaggerate and become a drama queen about it. Like just be proactive, paint every day,
0: get outside your comfort zone Pay more minis. balls to the wall <laughs> do you know the word over exaggerate is redundant
1: yeah because that's how exaggerated it is it's is so exaggerated it's exaggerated, it's exaggerated.
0: I, I'm not trying to bust your balls right now but <laughs> yeah. the reason why that ever even came up to me is because I said it in a video and someone was like there is no point in saying that word Ooh. so if you're someone who's about to say that Halt. <laughs> I got it. It's okay.
1: <laughs> They're like, "You two, police. Oh, here. Thank, yeah. Thank you, Scott, for addressing that. So I didn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that.
0: Oh yeah. Something. Of, uh, yeah.
1: English language is a, it's a tough one. You know, fickle beast. It's,
0: it's tricky. Okay. Anything else you want to say about busting past plateaus and making you feel good?
1: Hmm. No, I don't think so. I think the, the topic or the, challenge i had for the last episode of putting paint on your brush every day we're at two weeks now and if you did it every day for two weeks i'm not saying you will have seen market improvement yet in your painting maybe you have that would be awesome
0: maybe you'll just see an increase in output yeah Yeah,
1: that's an improvement and an increase in output is directly linked to the increase in quality over time
0: you said something earlier and you didn't bring it up right now what i say you said We spend 40% of our time working on the last 10% of an art project, right? Wasn't that last episode? Was it? Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. My memory is failing me right now. But, okay, let's just reiterate it. (laughs) Um, No, you just make up the percentages. I want to hear what you think. (laughs) You spend a, a large portion of your time refining the model at its very end stages. Yeah. So why not just... Not spend that large amount of time and just let the model be at ninety percent, and then spend that large chunk of time that you would have spent refining that model for ninety for you know however many hours on your next project. I thought this was the thing in the TED Talk you mentioned.
1: It's actually that same video, so that's where you got confused. Okay, the same guy, same video. It's a different different segment of his. 10 tips or 10 things that productive artists do. That was one of them.
0: Okay. So I guess we're not really talking about productivity. We're just talking about, uh, busting past plateaus, but like, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand, maybe a little bit, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah.
1: I think that when, when I, now that you got that in my brain, um, at first I was really confused. I'm like, that means just this, like all my minis are going to look like 90% done. Yes. They'd only took me 60% of the time. But they won't look as good. But then I started to think about this. I was thinking about this since our last episode. Um,
0: <laughs> that? Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> since our last episode, which we re- recorded an hour ago. Dude, don't don't fucking lift back the curtain. Oh no, the curtain! We record two episodes a day. There it is. Oh, Jesus, man! I'm
1: trying to be professional here <laughs> and lie to these people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. All right, what was I saying? Okay, so okay. So I started to think about this. What does that mean if you don't do the last 10%? Isn't that last 10% what makes your mini look better and make it look like you got better?
0: Oh right? interesting.
1: And that's not the case. Think about it this way. If if I, instead of... What I do is instead of shooting for my perfect quality at, at that, you know, the extra 40% of the time, what if I keep trying... To get closer to that quality, but only in the first sixty percent of the time. So what? Where I'm going to see the lacking is, and you will see this in like Roman LePot's work. Yeah, it, you won't. You won't have smoothed over every transition perfectly. You won't have every brushstroke is gone. You won't have every smooth fade on every possible surface. In those areas that you're probably not going to notice it anyway. You spend more of the time in the head and shoulders. The areas that are your your areas of focus, your bust, yeah, yep, and you're building strong color contrast and, and texture contrast quicker, and focusing on that earlier than just I'm going to spend a lot of time getting every single blend per perfect. Let's create like very visually stunning pieces and not worry as much about. The hours of glazing that happened at the end to pull yeah. it all together.
0: Yeah, and I think this has this this ties nicely back into the thing we mentioned at the beginning about about the memorization. It's like okay, let's, let's let's get let's get some numbers here. It took me ten hours to paint this model and do all the the finicky crap. So we're saying, okay, that finicky crap took you four hours to do. It. So just skip yep. it. Your six hours is now your new hundred percent. Okay, mm-hmm. and now every single model. Reduce that six hours to five and a half hours to five hours try to get to that same hundred percent in less and less and less and less time and you are going to mess up each and every single time but you're going to improve because you are pushing yourself in in, in, in not living in a comfort zone of a time frame but you're trying to constantly constantly get better constantly failing but also slowly improving um, okay.
1: And i that's really, if you if you think about that point and then you go and watch a Painting Buddha video or you go watch a Sam Lenz Twitch stream or you go watch a Vinci V video on a specific area of painting, you'll quickly see that that's something that they have done over years and have shored up that first section to a much tighter time frame. And so they can work in that last 10%. They -hmm. can spend more time floating in that swimming pool because they're so good at getting it to that 80% mark Mm -hmm. in a short period of time. And so over time, you give yourself more of a luxury in in the end steps because you get it to so good so quick. Or you could be like Roman and you get it to so good so quick. You're joyful. You put it down and you go somewhere else. Somewhere else.
0: Not every Mm -hmm. single project needs to be the world's best project. Yep. Awesome. All right. I think that was a lot of good, uh, I mean, good advice for myself as well. Uh, Things that I have yet to implement, but just have read about and learned about that could be helpful. Hopefully they're helpful to to you guys. If you guys know of any other ways that you've done or heard about, about uh, breaking past creative plateaus, let us know in the comment section of the YouTube video or on the Facebook group. Uh, Which you can also find linked in the show notes if you want to join that Trapped Under Plastic Facebook group. Absolutely. We can all share that information.
1: And I think that because we have such a a wonderful and growing member of our community, stroke is back. You biffed that hard. (laughs) (laughs) And since we have uh, such a wonderfully growing and robust group of sprudes and spruettes, I bet many of you have some other aspect of your life where you've worked on improving or getting past plateaus, plutos, plutoniums. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Lord almighty. I used all my words for the day is what I realized.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm all out.
1: (laughs) And and you mentioned stuff like like weightlifting plateaus or weight loss plateaus
0: or... Or learning a language and not getting any better at it. Yeah.
1: Yep. I mean, if you guys have some other aspect of your life that you've worked through and spent time and committed to and you've had some education or revelation regarding that and you think it might apply to our hobby throw it in the comments or throw it in the facebook group and and share it with us because i'm I'm curious to learn
0: yeah it most likely does apply um so we'd love to hear that but yeah let's uh get on to the last and final segment of the podcast and that is the news podcast newsy news (laughs) um we got two really interesting ones i think one is really interesting the first one is less interesting, um, so yours is less interesting. Yeah, um, uh, there's a little RPG of a book or a campaign or a system called Vampire: The Masquerade. Are you familiar with this? Yep, I've I, played. I played it. You've played it. Okay, so Vampire: The Masquerade. You get to you get to. There's various uh, hierarchies of vampires, uh, like different classes, and you get to pick which one. You want to be, and then you get to operate in a vampiric society. Sounds perfect for me. Let me tell you. Have you ever played it? Nope, I haven't. I'm not, I'm not a big RPG'er. I've played D and D like four times. It's uh,
1: quite R-rated, NC seventeen, X-rated. Oh, it's the sexy vampire. It, it's yeah. <laughs> That's now, a shame. Granted, it. it as far past the r-rated as it goes is as much as the weirdos in your group want it to go so if you're in a, a group of like-minded just throat ripping blood sucking bastards ripping,
0: political bastards yes. yeah that's
1: what i want to do you can you can do that to its utmost in that game but you can also Sleepy have to the top like, like blood orgy thrall minions uh, i mean uh, like yeah do it all baby every hole
0: I guess. <laughs> yikes um all right yeah, i guess that's a part of vampires in some in some lore um that makes sense but anyways the the part that ties back into miniatures is that uh i thought it was modifius um is releasing miniatures for it but then i also read somewhere that a company called flyos or Flyos, f-l-y-o-s was making the models and maybe in this scenario it's Modifius is the publisher and Flyos is the sculptor uh, I didn't look into it but our buddy Angel Garaldes, uh painted the box art for the miniatures Ooh, so um, good. yeah dude like his team of guys they crank stuff out and it always looks good like mm-hmm. every everything they paint for every Kickstarter or whatever maybe he like vets his commissions to models that he know will look he knows will look good once he's painted them you, you think about that He doesn't just take everything. He's like, okay, this model is quality and it's going to highlight uh, our talent as a studio. We'll take that. Or do you think it takes everything? I think it takes everything. Right?
1: Oh, okay. I I mean, I feel like there's such a diverse spread of things his studio has painted and they all look good.
0: Uh, That's what I'm saying. They all look good And, and not all models are created equally, right? Some are better than others.
1: Well, remember this. Okay. The versions that they get to paint are not the versions you get to buy.
0: Wait, you, he, they get the masters? No,
1: they get the resin versions. The resin print? Resin print version. Like every Simon game,
0: like when he did... Didn't he do hate? He did one of the tribes in hate, yeah. Yeah.
1: That That's not I in think. the plastic that you and I got in the box. No? Nope. That's, Guaranteed. Okay. It is not. Poopy. So, if the... I mean, there's something till, still to be said to the quality of a sculpt. And does it look like... Because I mean, there are some bad stuff out there in terms of the overall sculpting quality yeah thing like weird proportions and just like look like a third grader made it out of play-doh like
0: <laughs> you know he's not gonna be like all right i'll do that right so there is some vetting going on but it's not yeah. it's not as, as strict as i might think it yeah. is but yeah so he painted the models um and i'm always for more vampire models speaking of i did the box art in a resin cast i didn't use a master I don't even have the master. Creature caster has it. (laughs) Oh. Um, but anyways, um he did that and um there there were four models that he previewed and two just look like humans and two look like vampires. They're okay. I'm a vampire snob, so I'm not I'm not super in love with them. Sure. But They're not as good as your vampire. Hell no. Soon available for purchase. (laughs) Available right now. Link in the description. Oh wow yeah i got one already this is definitely yeah you need to have one (laughs) you need to know how to paint it yeah i better paint that damn it
1: (laughs) um i want to see yours first and then i know what i need to do to make it better
0: oh wow (laughs) 10 on the line again oh yeah you guys can vote who's painted better how about that yeah
1: that's a big yeesh (laughs) is right yeah we're gonna have to like go to simon's a competition where the crystal brush ends up and we both <laughs> enter it <laughs> see who goes better
0: crystal brush is going to end up at bottom the, of the ocean cool or not's convention yeah simon days what is it called it's something like that sounds like something stupid like celebration
1: simon yeah all things simon simon
0: tober it's the it's the games day of Kumani or not boy yeah. Super excited for that. I mean, they have enough product to make it work, probably. <clears throat> but they do. If you're a fan of that stuff. Um, but yeah, that that's that's my news, and I'm stretching it out as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next topic of the news is
1: recently a Kickstarter has fully funded, and the name of the Kickstarter
0: is Expose. Props. The, the coolest thing about this product is the name. Yeah. Because I love it. I mean, I love combining things. And this name combines two elements of the product, right? Am I wrong about that? Expose, because it's, it's a brush holder and it's clear. So you can see through the clear plastic. Okay, okay. And pose, because you're like posing the brushes. Is that stupid?
1: And then three, expose, because there is a giant uh, dong on here. So you're, you're exposing yourself. There's a giant dong on it? Shall oh, we? wait. I'm on the wrong website. You. Oh.
0: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so okay, let's let's take a step back here. Take a step back. Expose is a new product that just got funded on Kickstarter by a company known as Painting Spirit, and this is a brush holder for thirty U.S. dollars, thirty-five U.S. dollars. Lord Almighty. Um. And so I'm like, oh, what is this thing? What? What? Why is it cool? And we'll we'll put a link below so you can go visit what it is. But it's basically uh, clear uh, acrylic. Use like a CNC machine or something to cut this. I don't know.
0: Let me describe this. You 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 <laughs> imagine this. a box made of clear acrylic, and the lid is fully open and sitting on the table. And the rest of the uh, four sides of the box are up in the air, perpendicular to the surface. The flat part on the table is where you put your palette. And that could be a Masterson palette, an Everlasting palette, an Army Painter palette, Mm -hmm. a hard palette, whatever you wanna use. Mm -hmm. And then the upright part has slots cut into the top. And those slots are for taking a paintbrush, putting essentially a rubber O ring on it and sliding it into the slot. And then the paintbrush hangs there suspended by gravity and that little rubber band.
1: Yes. And so it, it's, uh, many, it's, it's falling it down.
0: Have? How many slots? Is it like 10, eight? I don't even think it's that. It's like eight, right? Eight. Eight. So yeah, you can put eight.
1: Now it is a little bit deeper, so you could probably fit two, two per. Okay. Um, in general, if you were to take a piece of MDF or a ruler, go buy a wooden ruler, take the side that doesn't have the the metal piece on it, and you just cut little slits. Every inch, you just cut a zzz about an eighth of an inch or yeah. a quarter of an inch. Zzz, yeah. zzz, 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 zzz. You do that, and then you put it on your back wall. Or you put two side supports. That's literally what this thing is.
0: Yeah. It's... It's thirty bucks. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, plus shipping, and it's coming from France, by the way. Oh. So it's probably going to cost you f- between
0: forty and fifty dollars. Okay, shipped. So part of this thing that kind of really caught my eye was that it showed you two brushes: one that was hung in the expose, and one that wasn't. So the main the the main value of hanging a brush upside down is that the water can drip out of your brush I don't know who's leaving their brushes sopping soaking wet that it's it's actually dripping you know who does it the
1: people that go in and every day they put paint on their brush like John told them to and then just throw it on the table
0: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so it hangs upside down like a bat in a cave right so that water can drip out it can evaporate out and it doesn't go into the ferrule and they had two pictures one picture was this is your brush on crack, this is your brush. <laughs> uh, not on crack. AK- on, on exposed. On exposed. Exactly. So it's just like the brush, obviously on exposed, was sharp and beautiful. Yes. And the brush not on exposed was frayed and nasty. And this is this is oh my god! It just made me think of like, like nighttime ad television. <laughs> yes. It was yep. Just like, it was Late like, night TV ad. So I made this comment in a brush care video that if you. uh put your brushes upside down or sorry uh like tip side down no not not tip side down but the the other side down in a cup gravity will separate the the bristles and that's true that actually happens but it's not the biggest deal because you can just reform the tip nothing nothing terrible is happening and this guy reached out to me to test this and he had this test so you know when you draw blood and you you put it in a container, or I, I don't know what it is. It's some it's medical thing where it's like a little container and you put a lid on it and it's watertight. And he did this with brush bristles. He basically capped the bristles in a little watertight vessel mm-hmm. and filled the vessel with water so that the entire brush, ferrule, ferrule included, um, was submerged in water. And he kept them there for a month, okay? Took it off the brushes were totally fine. <laughs> so maybe the problem is that the water isn't perfectly clean and that it has paint in it kind of, and that paint dries in the ferrule and then it messes it up. Maybe that's the problem, but water itself. And I don't know if it's really going to affect the adhesive inside of the paintbrush.
1: No. Well, and the thing is, if you, if you, you know, this this picture of with expose and no expose <laughs> is freaking great. The one on the left still has a very sharp tip. The one on the right is completely blunted off at the top. Yeah, it's like a how rough is brush. Holding, how is how the brush stored affected by that? Yeah. Unless like if you're like me where you, you have your, I just store my brushes on the table. Same, yeah, inside on, on the side. Unless you have, you don't put the cap on them and you have a cat like mine that goes up knocks them off and chews on them <laughs> then the no exposed picture yeah. makes sense yeah no is... expose asterisks plus cat plus cat yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like but how is that's what happens from wear and tear over time is those the finest little bristles that create your tip yeah eventually they will get brittle and frayed and it they go away and it becomes more of a nub that's what the no expose paintbrush looks like to me
0: right yeah a paintbrush that's been Used for two years, right?
1: And yeah. that that happens to all good brushes. I've got Windsor and Newtons that look exactly like that no exposed brush. It's because I used it for six months straight. Yeah, for everything. Yeah, and that's going to happen. That that's not how I hold my paintbrush. Yeah, post painting session. Post painting session. Yeah. Now, that said. I think this is a cool idea that we could all make ourselves for about a at home. Okay. <laughs> and then just if if you paint up against a wall, then I totally plan on on drilling this thing I made myself to have a little rack against the far wall if it's with, within reaching distance. Mm-hmm. If not, I create my own little stand one, push it back again so against my painting desk so that I can reach it. It's not a bad idea. It's it's just really cheesy marketing that's Playing to fear, right? Yeah. That you spent twenty dollars on your Raphael paintbrush. It's ruined yeah. unless you buy this. Fear mongering. Yes, it's exactly what it is. It is efficient. It is helpful. It actually allows me to get to more brushes quicker. I totally get that. I don't necessarily have to keep the cap on them if they're gonna hang there. Like sure. I get that.
0: Sure, yeah. I'm kind of talking myself into that. <laughs> <laughs> it's thirty bucks. Yeah. And it says space efficient. And it totally isn't space efficient. No. You could fit like 40% more slots in that thing, if, especially if you're using, especially if you're making it with like a CNC laser. Yeah. So many more slots could fit and you could hang so many more brushes. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's a hobby product and miniature painters love hobby products. Yeah, it One is. And it's something that hasn't really been touched yet. You know, when it, are we going to kickstart a snake oil product here? We need not to. saying this is snake oil. no. It's no. like... There,
1: there is val there's totally value to this, yeah. And if to you, 30 bucks, 40 bucks with for shipping, whatever in the US, I'm not sure if it's you know cheaper, wherever worldwide. And actually, the Kickstarter is over, I'm sure they'll sell them through their site eventually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, you know, if that dollar amount for that value or, or just having a, a finished product sent to you is a value, I don't say it's I don't not saying it's a bad product, I think it's claiming things that are inaccurate, yeah, um, but i i think it's a cool idea
0: you know it's a cool idea it's a cool idea sure i can i think it'd be cooler if the bottom of the thing was a wet palette in and of itself and i didn't have to put a wet palette in it so if the thing that was flat on your desk surface had walls to it Mm -hmm. and i could put a sponge in it um and I didn't need a whole other plastic thing to go in, in into it, I think that'd be cool. And a I, cap? Yeah. You know, like a lid? Sure. Well, and yeah. what I, if the whole the brush thing was collapsible, so it fell down on
1: top? So for travel... That's you could, what I'm saying. Yeah. You just snap it closed. Oh, man, we just got the better exposed
0: 2.0. I thought that's what <laughs> it was when I first saw it. I was like, oh, cool. I can put a sponge in there. I could, the whole thing would close down into a cube. The brushes are there. The sponge is there. But if you closed it down, the brush would just slide out of the slot. Um... Right, so that would kind of get messed up. Now that I think about it, then you
1: need the 2.0 exposed locking mechanism that
0: locks your brushes, which is like a tiny piece of acrylic that just (laughs) slots in there to lock the brushes. They just give
1: you like a roll of duct tape, and then you just like put duct tape over the brushes (laughs)
0: every time you're going
1: to move. Seven ninety nine, seven ninety nine for the optional duct tape. Euros, (laughs) euros. Yeah, great. That's like thirteen dollars. No, it's even more expensive. (laughs) All right. so there, there's our product review <laughs> our product
0: we don't have we don't even have yeah we're just reading the details <laughs> off of the kickstarter we love to find everything wrong with stuff I know <laughs> it's a pastime that I have whenever, right. whenever I'm sent a product for review it's like how many bad things can I find about this thing so I fully realize that I am a I don't know what's the term for that pessimist sure a pessimist also I just like to it's like a challenge you challenge yourself yeah. like oh
1: you think this roomba's pretty good huh? huh didn't pick up my human shit
0: <laughs> just smeared it everywhere <laughs> Who, who's the loser of this test huh <laughs> <laughs> Let me just pose an impossible <laughs> challenge for this product to overcome. Right. Didn't even do that. Didn't hold 50 brushes. <laughs> what good are you? Didn't paint my models for me. Gosh.
1: Uh, this is where we need to have the DJ Roomba that actually paints models for us.
0: Oh, yeah. That'd be nice. Mm. But hey, yeah, That's but our, our snake real product. Okay. Yeah. A DJ Roomba that paints our models for us? <laughs> what if we had a, a rotary thing? So the, you, put, you put a model on a spinning thing. And then you have a paintbrush. And as the model is spinning, the, model, the paintbrush just goes up and down the model, just slathering it with various paints. <laughs> and there's like a tube running to the paintbrush, and you're like pumping it. <laughs> and you load up the vessel with whatever paint you want. And you, you could even put it in order. It's okay. The dress is blue. I put blue in the vessel first. And then there's the, the girdle. And then there's the skin tone and then the hair. Okay. Blue, white, skin tone, uh, blonde you just pumping it <laughs> and you pump it and then the paint comes out into the bristles and the model is spinning and the, the brush is going up and it's just done this is like a like an air pump you pump up your tires on you your kinda, bicycle It's tiny
1: <laughs> yeah it's the little one but you still need two hands for it apparently do <laughs> <laughs> tiny fingers
0: and then you have a little spinny thing and then a little thing for paint and then yeah 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 i like that this
1: is like a uh what's it what are those uh uh endless motion machines called endless motion machines it, or not uh the things where like you put you, you you push a marble and it ends up I mean, that's not an endless motion machine, but that's oh also, the
0: thing the pendulum thing.
1: No crap. I it's people do these extravagant things where it's like you push you push a marble down a slide. It hits it hits dominoes. Oh, dom- Rube,
0: Rube Rube Goldberg
1: Rube Goldberg machine. This is like a mini painting Rube Goldberg machine where Kinda. it's all these extravagant steps. Yeah, and at the very end of all forty steps, there's just like a. <laughs> to accomplish a very easy task which
0: is this is i've created my uh mini priming mechanism comment below if you want us to uh, uh, divide develop and kickstart this product right and that you would buy them for 189 dollars each yeah if we get a million dollars in uh, backers before producing anything we'll, we'll do it yeah we'll
1: hand draw some sketches to prove that it, it's totally doable
0: <laughs> on paper towel with Crayola <laughs> right
1: yeah 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 it's totally doable also it'll have a, 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 a wet palette too that you don't have to use paper with
0: <coughs> oh <laughs> wait is that a reference
1: maybe mm-hmm. uh, well now you have to use no. paper but the paper is actually reusable you can just wash it Yeah, you can use it over again now it's
0: a real reference yeah <laughs> there it is
1: right again we have no we have no claims that any of this will actually be available in our final product but (laughs) we want it to and we want your money now
0: now now john's just airing frustrations
1: (laughs) this is the airing of grievances
0: john takes it to the man you know we both backed this kickstarter about this nocturna paint range and oh here's a story yeah yeah, go ahead and tell it and uh how, how many months ago was that We probably uh, four, five, six months ago. When was it supposed to be fulfilled? Um, November. Okay, so so this month, November, December. Yeah. Okay, but the so we haven't gotten it yet. It's not past due, but they're already selling retail versions of the paint. They're they're selling pre-orders. Oh, pre-orders. Okay. So just more Kickstarter stuff. Yeah, they're essentially. Here's where I lost
1: my shit. Yeah. And you commented on their Kickstarter page. Yeah, I, I ripped him a new one. Because <laughs> uh, they hadn't commented in two months. They hadn't given oh. any updates on their Kickstarter in two months. And I went through and I looked through everything on their whole Kickstarter page and could not find the date where it was scheduled to actually be released okay it, they may have put it somewhere but I literally looked everywhere I could find I went yeah, on their yeah. website I went on their Facebook page I went everywhere on the Kickstarter I couldn't find it it's entirely likely it was there and I just couldn't find it but anyway so I'm like at this point we're going on two months and we haven't had any updates and I'm like guys on social media I see you guys are like lobbying to sell more pre-orders of your paints and you haven't given any of your backers which made your product a freaking reality any updates on their orders by the way you took all my money let me know where we're at in the process we're going on two months with nothing yeah they haven't said anything a week after my explosion they posted uh sorry sorry we've been busy everything is still according to schedule thanks for your patience okay i mean that's something whatever it's It's bare bones but like you know i don't know it's a kick it's the problem with kickstarters is that you are at the mercy yeah there's no
0: yeah there's not really accountability yeah well i gotta assume there is some kind
1: there is like we i mean i'm assuming if it doesn't actually ever get produced we get our money back but things stand in limbo for forever um the friend of mine josh backed a a video game um the name of the game was chasm it's a pc game okay um side scroller um metroidvania best version of video games ever Metroidvania. metroid
0: is that a combination of metroid and castlevania yeah basically
1: um it it's more of it's it's a it's a style of game it's not a genre of game okay so um he had backed it i think it was six years ago and it just got published in like the last six months. Oh my! So there is no repercussions for them to just push out for forever. I mean, there are other. There's history of other video games are the biggest culprits of it. That just, I mean, make millions of dollars for something fans really, really, really want, but they haven't actually started making the game yet, and it wow. just gets take. I mean, there's some that were eight
0: years that that tragic Mega Man club oh, game. Oh, okay. This reminds me kingdom death kind of does this as well i yeah i just learned about this too so yeah like so like two years ago kingdom death like came out with a thing on black friday maybe it was a year ago don't quote me the time every year they open it up again and they yeah they reopen it and they keep adding things to it yeah and it's like at what point are you just going to fulfill this yeah they they don't actually produce the thing that all these people are backing yet. it's like okay it's cool that what I originally paid for is increasing in value and I don't have to spend more money whatever I spent like a hundred bucks and okay, I get the base game and okay now next year Black Friday oh you're saying that cool I get the base game plus an extra boss and they keep adding things on and collecting more money but they're not fulfilling. They haven't fulfilled any of it yeah. there's a They fulfilled the original Kickstarter base game stuff yeah but that's not what
1: this bundle is and i can't remember what it's called i i, I know because on black friday i'm gonna check it out i might back
0: it. <laughs> you're a sucker dude i did not you am. do
1: it last year no i i received all of kingdom death not everything i don't have this thing but i got kingdom death 1.5 and all the expansions through another means I can tell a story another time but right right, right. um i don't have all these super obviously because all these extra things are have never been released yet right so you i I believe you can just buy in for just those extras Mm -hmm. and i want to see how much that is on black friday because i might want to do that for a game i'll probably never play but i want to
0: we played it at adepticon yeah with david yeah yeah it was all right oh i liked it i liked it it was uh it was another game that's designed to be played over multiple sessions yes it is it's a campaign there's a lot of games coming out like that yeah
1: um it's really appealing to the it's it's adding dungeons and dragons elements yes. to board games yes
0: i mean blackstone fortress is played that way hate is played that way um so many games being called legacy versions are being played that way mm-hmm. so if you've seen legacy risk or legacy pandemic those are all played played that game's garbage hot garbage legacy pandemic yeah hate it Did you play normal pandemic i love normal pandemic you played okay so specifically legacy is not good stupid okay okay well anyways those are (laughs) games played over multiple sessions becoming more popular yes
1: uh, yeah a lot of the kickstarter um board games that are coming out these days are really built around campaigns like that they don't they don't really have a single session cmon zombicide style and even cmon games obviously like hate massive darkness um, I'm oh sure is that a campaign thing too it has both options you can okay. play a s- scenario or you can play through the whole campaign and stuff okay. but the campaign this was one of those earlier on in their cycle of understanding people wanted those games and so it was kind of tapped on after the fact and it's not very good which is a bummer but there's third party people you know people in the own community are making their own campaign versions that are far superior
0: okay okay Awesome.
1: All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Episode number seven? Seven. Lucky number eleven. That is it. Um, Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us as we blab again and again and make odd references. (laughs) And also, Scott. (laughs) Um, If you want to support us, um, there are a number of ways to do so. We really appreciate all the support. We really want to keep doing this. And so anything you can do. Well, really, will help. Um, you know, subscribing, giving us a thumbs up, um, giving us a good review based on where you listen to us, yeah. um, putting comments in the comment section on YouTube. Apparently, that might be a new algorithm thing. Is number of comments can get you recommended. Who knows? Man. I don't. I don't know. It's the the Illuminati again. Works. Um, so and telling your friends about us. That kind of stuff. Um, that that really helps. The more folks learn about us, the the more we can. Kind of keep keep on keeping on. Absolutely. Um, we have a Patreon campaign, which is awesome. You can see the link below. Uh, with that, you receive an extended version, the after party of each episode, <laughs> where we have anywhere from 30 to 45 or so minutes of extra content and crazy other topics, and you can get your mini critiqued by us, and you can um, have some feedback on what we have for future episode topics. Yeah,
0: yeah. And yeah, if you don't get enough of us being snobs <coughs> in the normal podcast, you can get it more. <laughs> we got merch. we got shirts right? we got we got boys shirts. we got girl shirts. We got sweatshirts. So I mean okay, real talk. I mean, I know this is our podcast, but this logo and this design is so freaking sweet. It really is. I, the guy who came up with it uh, it falsifer amazing idea and the the artist who executed on it amazing execution right we were so lucky that those two things came together right it really favor
1: and then when we first when you first showed me his like concept idea i'm like that is absolutely freaking brilliant yeah it's perfect and the final piece looks way better than what i had envisioned what it would the final piece would look like yeah it's so cool it's so cool and that's probably just because it's ours so we think it's cool so maybe you don't that's
0: it's like your children you think they're the best right yeah but really they're they're just ugly and (laughs) (laughs) cross-eyed Billy special. <laughs> but yeah, that's going to wrap it up, guys. Uh, thanks for all your nice comments and thanks for all your support and whatever that is, either commenting or, or, or giving us money on Patreon. We really appreciate it. See you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. See you also on the flippity flop. <laughs> <laughs>